Hey everyone, welcome to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Marie-Pierre, and for all my English friends out there, you can call me Marie. I am a registered dietitian with a background in psychology. My passion in life is to help individuals heal their relationship with food and their bodies. If you're tired of dieting and tired of restriction, you are at the right place. I'm hoping that this podcast will help and support you as you heal your own relationship with food and your body and give you the tools, the resources, and the knowledge that you need to finally ditch the diets. Every week, you will be hearing from guest experts and myself on all things food, body, and mind. I am so happy that you're here and I cannot wait to support you on your journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? I hope that you are doing so, so well. I'm pretty excited about the podcast episode that we have today. So I recorded with Una Hansen, who is going to come talk about parenting parenting and diet culture. And we've never really addressed um, just like healing your relationship with food and body from like the parent perspective and how to create like safe nutritionally and body safe home. So I think this is going to be a really cool episode. And even if you're not a parent, I think this is a really cool thing to kind of understand that piece of parenting. If you have, you know, nephews, nieces in your life or kids in your life, like I think this could be a really cool episode for you too. So Una is a parent coach in private practice, and she works with parents and guardians to help them raise kids with healthy relationship with foods and their body. So the work that she does is so inspiring. And she'll talk a little bit about her story and what got her to do what she does today. And I just uh, find it so amazing that she's able to help so many families through this. So before we get into this episode today, just a few things that I want to talk about, um, just as an FYI, um, as we talk through this, right, we're talking about the impact of diet culture and how it comes in within our family and our parenting. I want to add there that like, uh, if you are a parent that we want to listen to this with a lot of compassion towards ourselves. If there's anything that comes up during this episode that you're like, oh no, like I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this, or am I doing something that may impair the relationship with food and body of my child? We want to approach this with compassion and understanding. We have all grown up in diet culture, right? And sometimes we need to learn more and understand it to be able to change. And this episode may be the opportunity for us to kind of understand how we can start shifting our language around food and body to provide that for the kids as well, right? Um, So I hope that you're going to enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Dietitian Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. So today I have Una who's here to talk to us about diet culture and parenting, and it's going to be such a juicy episode. So I'm so pumped that you're here. And even if you're not a parent, I think that this conversation is going to be really beneficial for all of us to hear. So Una, hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. Glad to be here. Good. I'm super happy that you're here too. So she's from LA and we're here in Ottawa and today is especially cold day. So I'm feeling a little bit jealous right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice to live here. Yeah, I didn't grow up in this weather, so I really appreciate it. Yeah, it gives you even more appreciation for how great it is <laughs> to live in the sun. Um, all right, well, let's get started. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the subject, I think it's always cool to get like the origin story, the background story. So tell us a little bit about you, where, like what you're doing right now and what got you to do all the things that you now do. Yeah, so I'm a parent educator and a parent coach, uh, and I have a private practice where I work with families of kids, mostly kind of teens and tweens, but some younger kids as well, and some parents with young adult children. Um, and I also work as a family mentor at Equip, which is an all virtual eating disorder treatment program um, in the States. So my path here was kind of winding. I think a lot of us have that experience, right? Where, you know, it's not a straight line. My first career was as a high school English teacher. So I taught secondary school English and I coached field hockey and some other sports. And I love working with teenagers. And I also found I love talking to their parents. Um, when I had my own kids, I shifted into private tutoring, where again, I loved working one-on-one -on -one with students. And I found the parents needed a lot of support too. Um, and I realized, you know, helping parents helps kids. So I started doing, you know, parent education, and I kind of became that person that a lot of my friends would come to with questions about um, challenges their child was having in school or with a teacher or with a friend, or they weren't sure if they should change schools, uh, just kind of navigating the, the ups and downs of adolescence. You know, parents need a lot of support with that. So I had gone back to get my master's in educational psychology. I actually had my master's in English because that was my teaching discipline, but I had never studied sort of how people learn. So learning ed psych, um, you know, background was really fascinating to me. And it just kind of brought a whole new element to the way I could support families. I could say, you know, actually, you know, I think what you're doing sounds great. And there's even research to back up what you're doing. So I've always really been passionate about helping families feel confident in what they're doing. You know, there's a lot of fear mongering, you know, telling parents like they're doing it wrong. Um, and so I think parents really need kind of that support to trust their instincts. So throughout all of this, you know, I was feeling pretty confident. I had a lot of experience with kids and then I had my own teenagers and, you know, something happened in our family that really kind of shook us. Uh, I had a child develop an eating disorder and I thought I knew a lot about eating disorders and I really knew just enough to be dangerous. You know, I saw my child restricting food and having a lot of anxiety around food. And I thought, well, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to cause an eating disorder. So um, kind of a very long and winding story short, uh, we did eventually get my child the right treatment. Uh, they recovered. And, you know, more and more of my work with parents became supporting other families who are going through the same thing. So really my specialty now is supporting families whose kids are maybe having body image concerns, who are restricting their food or Parents come to me and say, my, I'm finding wrappers in my child's bedroom. They're eating in secret. What's going on? So I really guide parents to kind of make some shifts or know how to access treatment or what the options are to really help their child um, heal from these, you know, these disorders, whether it's a full threshold eating disorder or disordered eating or body image concerns. I love that so much. First of all, thank you for sharing your story with us. The work you do is so amazing. <laughs> so so helpful um we, we we have a clinic working with eating disorders and we just like developed the parent program too 
And I did, I knew it was needed, but I didn't know it was needed until like we, we had it done. And I'm like, oh my God, like, it's so amazing that you're able to do that and support parents through it because truly parents also live in diet culture, right? And also may have a lot of thoughts and beliefs that we, we pass on, right? Not knowingly necessarily and not wanting to do harm, but just being able to understand that. So I would love for us to get started by talking maybe a little bit about like some common examples of things that you see in your work that diet culture messages that maybe some parents hold that not realize that it can be harmful um, talking about these things to their kids. Yeah, it's a great question. So before we go into that, I do want to preface this by saying parents are never to blame for their child's eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so easy to blame yourself and feel guilty and second guess decisions you made. And I mean, that's really normal to to kind of blame yourself. It's, I think, a natural reaction for a lot of parents. And I think it's really important for parents to know you are not to blame if this happens to your child. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, there are things that we can do and say that can lower the risk for our child to develop disordered eating or an eating disorder. And really, Mm -hmm. it helps us with our relationship with food and body as well. So, you know, I think sometimes parents have a hard time letting go of maybe the way they were raised. And so a lot of this is intergenerational, right? Like things get passed on from parent to child. Um, so just want to, you know, have parents give themselves a lot of compassion. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I love that. Cause I think it's so easy to blame, but I like to like see it almost like, just like there are risk factors for an eating disorder, like, and it's a layer, right? Like there's all of these things that cause it again, never one person's fault. There's also a lot of protective factors and things that we do get an influence on and that we can help in the prevention of it. Absolutely. And I think with early detection, you know, what happened in my house, and this is, I think a good segue into your question. Um, you know, my child was trying to eat healthier, putting that in quotation marks. And I think a lot of families, that is the messaging that let's try to eat healthier, especially, you know, we're recording this in January, right? So (laughs) there's a lot of like, let's get back on track, so to speak, or, um, let's start the new year with, um, you know, so-called clean eating, or maybe some families are, um, even doing kind of official kind of cleanse type, um, programs right now. And I understand the the impulse to do that. And I think it's really important for parents to know that when we talk about healthy food, it can really backfire. So one of the things I share with parents is to kind of take a step back and think about the fact that it's not the food itself that's healthy or unhealthy. Again, barring, you know, allergies or something has spoiled, right? Yeah. Um, So yes, I mean, something you're allergic to that would be unhealthy for the child to eat. But excluding those exceptions, there's really no such thing in my book as a healthy or unhealthy food, but we can have healthy or unhealthy food behaviors or healthy or unhealthy relationship with food. And when we categorize foods as healthy or unhealthy, we actually interrupt that process. So parents want their kids to be as healthy as they can be. Um, And so just to be aware that when we label a food as healthy, we could actually be interrupting our child's relationship with that food and with other foods. I think that's like that word healthy, which feels so positive um, to families. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to call it a bad food or um, it's become kind of code 
for good and bad, healthy and unhealthy. And that kind of black and white thinking can really take kids down a pretty unhealthy path. And it's not just parents, you know, kids, I've seen, you know, five-year-olds get school assignments, you know, circle the unhealthy or the healthy food. And Mm -hmm. um, kids, even in preschool are learning, you know, red light, yellow light, green light foods and being taught to categorize foods. And these are very well-meaning adults who care deeply about children and just don't realize that there are unintended consequences of this language around healthy and unhealthy food. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, that's such a great place to start because I feel like it's, it comes with the best intention, right? Like when we think of health, but it's also like this piece of like diet culture that's merging into wellness culture of like, okay, I won't focus on my child's weight maybe, but like health, like like let's overemphasize health or not even just for children, but just in general as a society that we're like, okay, healthy. And then we attach so much value to it. Um, Yeah, that's a hundred percent. So how would we replace those terms? So if we're not using healthy versus unhealthy at home, what are terms that we can use instead? You know, I'm a big fan of just calling the food by its name. So broccoli (laughs) (laughs) is just broccoli. Ice cream is just ice cream. Um, You know, we don't have to label or categorize foods or put foods in a hierarchy. Um, So I really am a big fan. Again, if if you have, if you're observing um, religious rules about food or there are allergies or celiac in your household, yes, your child does need to have some awareness that that's a food that's not safe for that person or that's not part of you know, how we eat. So again, excluding those, those kinds of exceptions, I think just calling the food what it is. So you know, I think words, so the words I would suggest parents you know, become aware of and try to avoid would be like junk food, processed food, um, fun food, play food, you know, these terms where we're trying to, or, you know, another common one is, um, I think even Sesame street teaches kids about sometimes foods and anytime foods, Mm. which again is so well-meaning, but you know, when a kid hears a sometimes food, it can kind of go in one of two directions, right? Mm. They think, Oh, it's only safe sometimes. Well, how often is sometimes maybe I should just have it. Never. And then more foods can get added to the never list. Um, For some kids, the sometimes foods like become all the more special and alluring and glittery. And like, I want those foods even more. And maybe I'm going to have to eat them in secret because my parents said I can't have them anytime. I'm not sure when I'll get them again. I'm at a friend's house or a birthday party. I'm going to eat, you know, 10 of that thing, um, you know, in one sitting really fast while no one's watching. So again, these really seemingly harmless, um, or even neutral kind of guidelines for kids can really backfire. So I would just call the food, the food. I think the, the biggest, um, you know, the, one of the most powerful words I think we can use with our kids is variety, right? So, you know, rather than saying like, oh, we need to make up for all of that junk food with, you know, this kale smoothie, you know, we can say, Hey, you know, I noticed we've had pizza three times this week. Let's mix it up and let's have a little more variety. What are some other things you guys want to try? or you kids want to try um, this week? So variety is kind of my, my, my go-to word for, mm. you know, not getting stuck in a rut or feeling like kids are on maybe like a food jag um, and, you know, really fixated on a certain food. But the last thing you want to do, if a kid is fixated on a food, the last thing you want to do is take it away because it can only increase that fixation or that fascination. Yeah. 
Oh, a hundred percent. And like everything you say, like I'm nodding my head the whole time because it's so true. And I think it's always coming with the best intentions, but it's like, okay, how, how is it perceived and how are we reacting to that? So I love that piece of variety and just like neutrality of like food is just food. Here's the food that we have today. <laughs> that just is it. And including that piece of variety of if we're always going for the same thing, like, okay, cool. Like let's try something else. And it's not that the one thing is not good. It's just trying to place it all on the same playing ground and that we get to just choose, which just already feels just so much more light, <laughs> like just so much better. Right. Yeah. We want our kids to be relaxed around food. We don't want them afraid of food. We don't want food having power over them. And, you know, that's what a diet mentality does. And that's how a lot of us were raised ourselves. And maybe we've have a, a history of dieting or even an eating disorder as parents and can be really hard to kind of heal our own relationship with some of these foods. So the nice thing is I think about the way the opportunities we have as parents or even as you know, educators or a classroom teacher or an athletic coach, we can start to talk to our kids in a way, you know, maybe we weren't talked to when we were growing up and you can kind of reparent yourself through this process and the whole family or the whole sports team or the whole classroom can start to um, kind of heal and relax their relationship with food. Hey, 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 I am just stopping this episode right now to talk to you about the Balance Program. As we're talking about in this episode, your relationship to food and body is so important. Um, if you're a parent listening to this, like I truly believe that that is the first step in making a really nutritionally and body safe home, right? Like understanding your relationship to food and healing your own relationship to food and body is so important and vital. And again, truly, I believe that it is the first step and the best step to take in order to have this like safe home for our kids, but also to stop the trauma cycle. Like we know that diet culture is something that's so pervasive, right? And we've all grew up in it and learn with it. And then we get to do the healing so we can help others heal, right? And that takes into account our children as well. So if you are listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, my relationship to food body may not be something that I have addressed in the past or I'm ready to address it now. Like I want to do this work. I want you to invite you to check out the Balance Program. The Balance Program is a six month online group program where I help folks truly heal their relationship with food and their body so they can show up differently, right? So they can live outside of diet culture so they can nurture and have a wonderful relationship with their own body and food. So throughout the program, we go through four parts. So it's a four part system where we go through our own mindset, understanding the beliefs, the mindset shift that we want to do, the making peace with food, reconnecting with our body and our body image work. Um, and then as well, working on this piece of living in diet culture, like how do we then do that? And if health for you is still important, how do we live health? healthily <laughs> how do how do we live a, a healthy life outside of diet culture without this side of shame and guilt and all or nothingness so if you are interested in joining us in the balance program we do have a few spots left to join this month so i will invite you to either message me on instagram at the balance dietitian let me know um, or you can also go check out the program on the website at www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash program 
If you have any questions, again, don't hesitate to ask me. I think that this healing work is so, so important. And I think as a parent, even more so. So on that note, let's get back to the show. Oh, I love that so much. And I, I, I really love this piece of like, as a parent, like also even like just acknowledging like what are their beliefs around food? Like, what do we believe to be true around food? Because even if we're not purposefully telling our child like, hey, don't eat this, like this is bad. We may still have all of these messages that are tied up, right? And I, I see a lot of parents in our practice and through like the program that we have that they want to heal their relationship to food. So they're children don't have to go through that and I find like that's the most like beautiful beautiful thing to be able to like okay I deserve this healing and I want my my children not to have to go through this ongoing cycles that we've learned right and it's really hard I mean yeah even under extreme conditions like having a child have very serious anorexia when I had to start cooking with you know foods that I hadn't cooked with, like ingredients I hadn't cooked with before, you know, I definitely, again, cause I was one of these parents that, you know, tried to, you know, feed my kids so-called healthy foods. Right. Um, so I had a lot of my own rules. And so even, you know, preparing foods that would re-nourish my child and I needed to eat those foods with my child, you know, I had to really come right up close to my own kind of hangups around food that, you know, it was like, this was going to save my child's life and it was still hard to do. So I want parents to give themselves a lot of compassion that, you know, it can take time and just to be kind to yourself, right? If you catch yourself kind of saying something that, you, oh, I wish I could take that back. Um, just to be really gentle with ourselves. I think that sense of like, oh, I blew it or like, oh, I'm so bad for saying it that way. In some ways, that's like right out of diet culture, right? Diet culture teaches us like, you know, one little, you know, thing that isn't quite what we wanted to do or what the plan was. And it's like, oh, we've blown it, right? I'm a horrible person. So kind of realizing the whole framework of the way we might think about ourselves and our parenting, even that can be kind of affected by, by diet culture. Ah, that is such a good point too, right? That there's no, there's no like failing really, right? That we're able to like, oh wait, no, actually this is what I meant. Like we're, we're able to like, and even modeling that of like, it's not wrong. Like, it's just like, we're, we're changing the way that we talk about food. We're changing the way that we, that we do these things. Oh, that's so, so good. Is there any other examples that you think about of like how diet culture can kind of seep into like the parenting and may not realizing that it's, it's there, that it's sending those messages? You know, I think, so sorry. Um, I think a couple things, you know, often what happens just in terms of family dynamics, parents are often entering middle age, right? As their kids are entering puberty and there's sort of this like perfect storm of body changes happening and hormonal changes happening in a family. And a lot of parents go on and, you know, a health kick, right? Where they, Maybe they start using a Fitbit or an Apple watch. They start tracking their steps or, um, you know, tracking macros or things like that. And again, under this sort of guise of health and self-care and not realizing that, you know, the messages we're sending are like the body changes aren't okay. Right. Or that weight gain is something to be terrified of. Meanwhile, our, you know, pubescent child, like they have to change their body has to change in order to grow into their adult body. They have to gain weight 
to, you know, develop um, in a healthy way. So just to be aware of, you know, the way we relate to our own changing body and how that could, you know, to kind of trickle down to our kids. The other, the other very common um, challenge I see for families is a child who expresses a body image concern. They'll say things like, you know, I'm so, you know, fat or am I fat? And a very natural impulse for parents is to say, oh, no, no, honey, you're beautiful. And, um, you know, I think that's, again, a natural impulse, right? That might've been said to us when we were kids. Um, I think there are a lot of unintended harms that come with saying, oh, no, no, honey, you're beautiful. And if you said it this way to your kid, again, give yourself compassion. And you can always go back and, and talk to your child and say, you know what? I think I might've handled that. Um, in a way that wasn't super helpful. Let's talk about that some more. So yeah. Can you unpack that? Like, why is that so harmful? Cause I'm, I'm hearing that, like, there may be people listening to this to be like, okay, but wait, like, why is it not good? Like I reassured them, like, can we unpack the harm that can be made with this? Right. So when our child says, am I fat or I'm fat? And we say, no, honey, you're beautiful or you're handsome. It's doing a couple of things. It's telling our children that fatness can never be beautiful or handsome, right? So we're reinforcing this diet culture belief that attractiveness is tied to body size, right? We've been taught this, you know, for decades. And so we're accidentally reinforcing that with our child that, oh no, you're, you're beautiful, which, you know, as if that can't also be in a, that beauty can't be in a fat body. So that's one thing it's doing. The other thing is that it's kind of shutting down the conversation, right? You're kind of letting your kids know, like, this is a really uncomfortable topic for me. And I'm going to shut it down with this kind of seemingly reassuring phrase. So the, the third thing is that we're kind of layering on that importance of physical um, outward appearance, right? So we're still emphasizing beauty right? Um, our child's concerned about how they look and we're, we're saying like, oh no, your looks are great. Again, kind of doubling down on the idea that your looks are maybe the most important thing about you. So what to say instead? I think it's first of all, really important to lean into what your child's feeling. Like, where is this coming from? And a lot depends on, you know, is your child objectively in a larger body or a fat body, right? So if our child is you know, would identify as having a fat body. And we say, no, you're not. Like, that's really confusing to a kid. It's like, you're denying my, like who I am. Um, so again, it kind of depends on how your child, you know, feels in their body and, and maybe even how they're perceived by their peers. So I think a really good question to ask is like, well, it sounds like you're feeling, you know, pretty down today. Like, can you tell me more? Or that's a really hard feeling. Like, do you want to talk about it rather than rushing in with reassurance? And I think it's fine to say, you know, I'm your mom or I'm your dad or I'm your uncle or auntie. You know, I know you're um, amazing inside and out. And it sounds like you're really struggling today. Tell me about how you're feeling. So we're really validating their concern. Um, and you don't have to kind of solve it in the moment, right? This can be an ongoing conversation. And you want to make sure your kids feel safe coming to you with these concerns. Cause if we shut it down and say, Oh no, like, I don't want to talk about fatness. Um, they're going to realize like, Oh, this is almost like a bad word or like fatness is 
the body size or body image is like unspeakable and like too scary for my parents to handle. I better like keep this to myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any parent wants that. We all want our kids to come to us with their, with their concerns. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love how you broke it down in three ways, right? It's almost this piece of like, all right, so it's reassurance of like, as long as I'm not fat, I'm good and I'm beautiful. So we start like living in the spectrum of like, what is beauty? So I think it's such a, uh, thank you so much for bringing this up. Cause I think it's something that we've heard a lot. Like I know I've been told that many, many times, or I've heard people say that to other people and we internalize. Right. And I think that part two, um, I was going to say is even like, talking to ourselves like I I just have this like vivid memory as you were speaking of like my mom telling herself that in the mirror of like no I'm okay like I'm not I'm not fat like no I'm okay like I I I haven't gained weight like I'm okay and just like she's never said it to me but I've heard her say it to herself right and then just being able to be like okay so as long as I don't gain weight then we're okay like and then like as a kid you start like thinking about these things and internalizing these things. So there's almost like the things that we say directly to children. And then there's the things that like, what are our messages around these things for ourselves too? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, I think checking in with, you know, where we learn these messages, right. I think that can be really a powerful step in the process too. Is like, what were the messages I got when I was a kid about food or body size or physical appearance? Um, And just, you know, really, again, being gentle and curious with that, not judgmental, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, my parents were terrible. You know, I think we all have have compassion for, you know, we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. And, and when we know better, we can do better. And, you know, kids love it, you know, especially teenagers. If we go to them and say, you know, I think I messed up like teenagers love, like they love nothing more than a parent who can admit, right. That they were wrong. And it can be a really powerful point of connection. So for any parent listening, who's thinking, oh no, I, you know, I messed up that conversation. What did I do? And you're kind of beating yourself up. Take that deep breath, give yourself compassion and know actually you've created this incredible opportunity to go back to your child and do, you know, what we call rupture and repair, right? Where you can go back and repair and say, you know, I really, I realized I said to you what my so-and-so said to me. Um, and I really want to apologize. And I'd love to hear how you're feeling about that issue. I love that so much. I love that so much. So I think it's like acknowledging that we were all impacted by diet culture and it makes sense. And it's normal that it also came into like maybe a relationship as a parent and how we interacted. So like the acknowledging piece. And then, like you said, like, once we know we can do better. So then what would it like look like to do better in that sense? Like what would be like those things that a parent can do to help and protect their child and help them develop a healthy relationship to food and body? Yeah, I think, you know, again, depending on the age of your children, I think you could make it like a family meeting. You know, this is one option, right? To say in a family meeting, it doesn't have to be, there has, doesn't have to be like a PowerPoint presentation or anything. Minutes and all of the things. (laughs) I mean, you know, if their kids are into that, like some kids love sort of like playing school or playing office, right? So that could, that could actually be really fun if you made it kind of joyful. You know, I think, you know, one thing that parents can say is, you know, I really want to try um, you know, I want us to have a, a more relaxed relationship with food. So I'm going to try to use some different words. And we talk about food, would you kids, you know, if you hear me kind of saying some of these words that were kind of harmful before, like, would you let me know? And I'll try to do better. So 
kind of engage, like kids love to be like inspector general, right? About that kind of thing. Like, mom, you said the word, you, you called this unhealthy or you called my snack junk, you know, and you can make it kind of playful. And then also what you're doing is you're building in your kids kind of critical thinking and even their media literacy, right? So when kids can start to recognize diet culture or wellness culture, it really helps protect them from it because we can't, you know, we could make our homes a perfect safe haven from diet culture, right? And I think we should try to make our home as safe as we can. And unless you're living in a bubble off the grid, your kids are going to be exposed to diet culture, right? Even little kids watching Peppa Pig, right? Um, Kids going into, you know, preschools are are getting these messages. And then once your kids have access to the internet, you know, it's everywhere. So we want to really, you know, prepare them to be resilient, to recognize diet culture for what it is and to know, you know what, that's not for me. And I know, I know better, or I know a different way to relate to food. So you could even ask your kids like, you know, what do you know about diet culture? Um, it's becoming a much more kind of, it's sort of like in the, the atmosphere right now, a lot of people are talking about intuitive eating and rejecting diet culture. And of course, what's so tricky is the, you know, the, the weight loss programs that are saying they're not a diet. Right. Um, and so <laughs> again, like that's something, you know, you know, kids can really have a lot of fun being like, wait a minute, you know, Noom is saying they're not a diet, but wait a minute, like everything about them fits the criteria of a diet. So why are they, why are they saying this? And kind of, you know, especially with, you know, it's like eight years old and up, you can start like kind of like that, the beginning of adolescence, kids can have a lot of fun realizing like, wait a minute, like grownups, like don't have it all figured out either. And, and I can, I have some skills that I can start to like understand the world and, and, and be just more more aware and empowered when facing some of these challenges. Mm, I love all of that. Like, I love like getting your kids involved in that shift that you're going to have in your like household of like, okay, like here's what we're going to do now. Here's why. And like, let's play with it. Like, I think that's such a cool thing to get them involved too. Um, And I love the piece with media literacy as well. Like it's something that we do so much with our clients and parents, because it's hard, like living, like I cannot imagine being a teen right now with access to social media. Like it, it's really, really hard. So like, again, like you say, it's like, we can't protect them from everything at all times, not possible, but like equipping them with like that critical thinking and like questioning and all of these different tools that we can have. Like, I think it's so, so powerful and really like a way to set them up like long-term. Absolutely. And, you know, especially for our, you know, our adolescents who really feel deeply about social justice and, you know, equality, you know, when you, when you talk to a teenager about like, what do you think about the fact that our world puts bodies in a hierarchy? You know, I mean, kids can get really, um, they can really tap into that kind of anger at the unfairness in the world. And that can be a really powerful tool for them too, to navigate some of this. Um, you know, when there are those pressures to try to look a certain way, it can just give them, you know, for kids who have that kind of passion. And I think, you know, this generation of teens and tweens are really passionate about wanting everyone to feel they belong. So again, that can be another really powerful tool in a, in a family's toolbox to start to kind of unlearn some of these beliefs that we were taught as kids. I love that so, so much. 
And this might be like a very obvious question, but I still want to ask it, ask it. Is there a best time to like start cultivating a neutral relationship to food, to body and the house? Like, is there a time that it gets too late or it's too early to talk about all of this? I mean, we can all start today and make little changes, right? Yeah. It's never too late. You know, I think again, that's that almost that diet mentality of like, oh, like, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a lost cause. I don't know. There's just that kind of like sense of defeat yeah. um, where you can start to really doubt your kind of your ability to grow and change and, and, you know, do the things you want to do. I think, um, I'm sorry. That didn't really make any sense. Um, <laughs> no, it, makes um, it makes a lot of sense. I, uh, you know, I think again, it's never too late and it's also never too early. You know, I think if you're, you know, someone's pregnant or, you know, uh, waiting for, you know, an adoption to go through, you know, you can start to unpack your kind of diet culture beliefs now and really come into parenthood, you know, with, you know, a lot more tools and, and skills under your belt. If you have a teenager, you know, you have a kid who comes home from college and they've picked up, you know, some disordered eating habits from some of their peers it's not too late. You know, you can start having that conversation today. Yeah. I love that. Like never too late to start. You can't fail at this. Like just letting go of all the diet mentality that we've had. Like we're very much taught that we can fail and it's very all or nothing, but just kind of seeing it more of like, no, it's a process of like understanding and unpacking together and like even learning from your kids too. Like, I'm so surprised sometimes I work with a lot of teenagers and the stuff that they tell me, I'm like, oh my God, like the insight that, you know, a lot of kids can have as well. Like, I think it's a really cool, a really cool thing. Um, all right. So last question for you. So for parents who are looking to like, okay, you know, like for me, it's important to have that safe space in my home and let go of diet culture and try to create this like nutritionally and body safe home. Like where do they start? Or like, how do they start? Yeah. Again, I go back to that, starting with the self-compassion, mm-hmm. be curious about, you know, what your beliefs are now and maybe explore where they came from. I think if you have a spouse or co-parent or, you know, another caregiver in your home or in your child's life, you know, to start having some conversations, I think a way in right now. So, you know, in this moment in time in 2022, where, you know, the rate of eating disorders has just exploded for young people. I think that can be a really powerful way in with, let's say a, a spouse or or co-parent or a, you know, a grandparent who takes care of your kids um, and say, you know, have you heard about this incredible, you know, rise in eating disorders since the pandemic started? I really want to try to protect our kids from any kind of disordered relationship with food. Let's talk about it. So a great resource, um, you know, a, a new book that just came out a couple of weeks ago is how to raise an intuitive eater by Amy Severson and Sumner Brooks. So I highly recommend that as a really powerful guidebook for families that want to start, start this process of, of coming to terms with their own beliefs and starting to make some shifts in a, in a more positive direction. I love that so much. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about you, how you're working with people right now. And if people want to work with you or just get into your world, where can they find you? 
Yeah. So I'm on not all the social media channels, but quite a few, definitely on Instagram um, and Twitter is probably where I spend the most time. I'm also um, on Facebook and I have a Facebook page called Parenting Without Diet Culture, where I post a lot of articles and podcast links and things like that for parents to kind of get a, a steady stream of support in that way. I also give webinars, um, parent education seminars on, you know, mostly on Zoom these days. Um, and then I also work one-on-one with families. So families can schedule um, private sessions with me. Again, the beauty of uh, Zoom is that I can meet with families um, anywhere in the world and, you know, help them kind of troubleshoot or assess like what's really going on. You know, obviously I can't diagnose um, their child, if they're concerned about an eating disorder, but I can give them resources and point them in the direction to get a proper assessment and get them on the path to healing. That's awesome. So all of the links will be in the show notes. So you guys can go check her out. Um, and let's finish off with our fun questions. So the first one, my favorite question, what is your favorite food? It's such a hard question because I love so many things. (laughs) Um, also, my currently one of my favorite things is to make myself an awesome breakfast sandwich with an English muffin and egg and avocado and cheese. And I have this really fun little ceramic device that makes um, an egg in the microwave and the perfect shape that fits on my English muffin. So it's like I, I really enjoy the ritual of, of making this little egg sandwich in the morning. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, breakfast food are all on the top three for me, too. <laughs> Um, all right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Yeah. I mean, people always say like flying or invisibility. Um, I mean, I really, I, I mean, I don't know if this is a superpower, but I would love to figure out a way to help everyone feel, feel that unconditional love that maybe they didn't get when they were growing up. Like there was some kind of like love beam, right. <laughs> Where, yeah. you know, you just feel really safe and and that you belong. Yeah. That's what I would love to have. Oh, I love that. It's like that quote, like heal people, heal people and hurt people, hurt people. Like if everybody could be like heal and feel loved, like what a world we would live in. Right. And what is your favorite way to self-care? You know, I love going for walks outside. Um, you know, as you said, I live in Los Angeles now where, you know, most days of the year I can, you know, easily walk out my front door and yes, people in LA do walk. If you're (laughs) A lot of, there's a myth, right? That nobody walks in LA, but um, I live in a very walkable neighborhood and also live near a beautiful hiking trail. So I just love getting outside. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. And then last question for you, because this is the Balanced Dietitian podcast, what does balance mean to you? You know, with, with balance, I, again, come back to that idea of variety, right? That having a variety in my day or my week, you know, not I love a routine. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, and I know if I get too locked into a routine, I do feel kind of out of balance. So trying to bring in variety or mix it up and bring in some playfulness or joy, um, even if it's, you know, putting on a silly song um, and dancing in the kitchen for 30 seconds, you know, while making dinner, like bringing in that is what I think brings me that sense of balance. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast, for taking the time to be here with us. I feel like this podcast is going to be so helpful for parents and also non-parents who just kind of want to learn about all of this. I think it's, there's so much for us to, to unpack here. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure.
Wasn't this podcast just awesome? It was so great to have Una, a parent, come talk about the importance of creating a safe environment for our kids and the importance too. I, I did a presentation last year for parents on preventing eating disorders. I did it with my colleague, Dr. Melissa Arias Valenzuela, who is wonderful if you're listening. Um, and it's really clear in terms of the research that shows us that when we are able to create these protective homes, when we are able to support our kids and having really healthy relationships with food and body, we know how important that is in terms of the prevention piece of eating disorders and even early detection, right? If we are more aware of this, that we can catch it much earlier, which helps in terms of the recovery process. So things that we know here is the way that we talk about food, right? Maybe making sure that we are neutral with food making sure that food is just food. It can be pleasurable. We get to connect with food, that there's no food that's off limit, that there's no food that's locked away, that we offer a variety of food, that food can just be a little bit more joyful. There's also the piece with body image. So making sure that we foster healthy body image for ourselves. So working on our own body image as well as our, our kids' body image, right? And here are things that we can do is body gratitudes, for example, right? Those are really fun activities that we can do with children of asking them what they're grateful for about their body. What do they love about their body, right? Really focusing on the gratitude piece. It could be such a cool thing for adults to do because we're learning to reconnect with their body in a pleasant way, but also for our children, right? To be able to really focus on this piece of what they are grateful for. So they start seeing their bodies at more of this like thing that people see, but this, this amazing body that we have that does all these things for us. Media literacy is also huge, right? So when we are able to support children and teens and understanding social media and using it in a critical way, it's so helpful. We know that social media is a huge contributor to the rise of eating disorders in, since the pandemic started. So being able to have those conversations can be really, really important. And last but not least is working on our own beliefs and our own thoughts around food and body. So if you're a parent um, or guardian, knowing what you believe, right? Your own conscious and unconscious biases that we may have around body and, and food and starting to unpack that slowly. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. I hope that you have enjoyed it. And if you did, I would love if you could leave me a review. What I have been doing is every week we do a draw. And for everybody who um, leaves us a review on Instagram, please share it with me and you can win a coffee. It means so us so much to us for you to review this podcast. It allows us to expand our reach, to spread the anti-diet message. And we're so very grateful for you. So anyways, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will catch you next week and the next episode.